Hey, welcome to all of you, to all of our campuses, those of you who are worshiping online. And isn't it good to be inside? It is so hot outside that I thought about changing my message and preaching on hell and, and just kind of leading out. You know, you think this is hot. It, it is so hot that I, I was at the pool yesterday with my grandson. He shot me the water gun and it burned my skin. It, it is so hot. Now, you're supposed to say, how hot is it? It's so hot chickens are laying boiled eggs. It is so hot. It's so hot cows are delivering evaporated milk. Last one. It is so hot. It's so hot the trees are whistling for the dogs. Okay, forget that. That was not good. Okay. I want to say I'm sorry. Hey, happy 4th of July, and I just want to say thank you for being a part of worship during this special weekend. And, and I love Independence Day. I love our country. You know, we got a lot of problems, but I've been to 12 other countries, and every time I get ready to go, I'm like, I want to get back home. Uh, because we have all kind of freedoms, and the reality is we as a people, the people of God, can do something in our country to change the things you don't like. And it won't be done through your politicians, okay? I know, now look, I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying have strong opinions. But it's not going to happen through your politicians. It's going to happen through the person of Jesus who begins to work in and through you. Now, you may not know this about our country. You, you might not write this down because I, I've been fortunate to get to study and think and pray about these things. And you may not know this, but our country was born out of a spiritual renewal. Over in Europe in the 14 and 1500s, you can go back and study this, the, the Church of England, the church that had connected with the government, the last thing we ever want is our churches connected to the government because it's not the government that saves you, it's the church of the living God. And, and something happened in the 1500s the printing press was discovered. And many of you, you're into those things. You discover new things and God uses them. And so they were printing the Bibles, but William Tyndall came along and he took the Latin Bible that the Church of England had that nobody could understand, but the priest and the diocese and all those things. And he translated it into English and gave it to everybody, every common person, so that they could know the word of God and it changed the world. You say, well, did they give Tyndale like an award? Did they, they have a special like service for him? You know what they did for William Tyndale? You know what the church did? You think you've got church hurt. They strangled him and then burned him at the stake. Because the people of God now could hear the word of God and they could read the word of God and we don't ever need to take for granted the word of God because it's the word of God that has the power of salvation to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And so in 1620, like this revival broke out in Europe, which is really like, you know, hard to say now because of all this going on in Europe and in America. And the people came to America in 1620 in the Mayflower Compact, and they started their whole thing in the name of God. And in the 1600s, amazing things began to happen, 
And, and there was this amazing awakening that happened in the 1700s at the end of that century, the 1600s. In the 1700s, this amazing revival happened throughout the colonies. And in July the 4th, 1776, the leaders came together and, and they signed the Declaration of Independence from Great Britain. We were born out of a spiritual renewal. You say, well, what happened? Well, the 1800s, there was another spiritual awakening. It's called the second spiritual awakening. And out of that spiritual awakening, we dissolved slavery. Maybe the worst thing that's ever happened uh, on the human planet. We said, no, it's got to go. Then the 1900s, 1960. You've probably seen the movie of the Jesus movement. How in, in California, of all places... <laughs> Of all places, in California, the, the Jesus freaks came out of the drug culture, and they were so tired of the drugs and the ideology, they said, we, we got to find something that's real, and they turned to Jesus, and it spread throughout the country. It, it missed Mississippi. I need to tell you this. I've studied this. It went on the fringes of Mississippi, down on the Gulf Coast, where they're open to everything. Hello, Gulf Coast campus. But the rest of us missed it because no way that didn't fit into my box. I, I'm not going to do that. There's no way that can be right. And I remember the 1960s when I was in the second grade, Miss Nixon, every class, this is what she would do. She would start the class with us saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And after the Pledge of Allegiance, we would say a prayer. And occasionally she would choose one of us to pray. And God was doing amazing things. He said, what happened? Well, well what happened is, we, we like, like the Israelites and like everybody else, we began to go back into our old ways. Here's the good news. In the next 20 years, I believe we're set up for the next spiritual awakening where God is going to do something in our country among people that you would never expect it to happen with, and things are going to change in a powerful way. It may be the last great awakening before Jesus comes back. And I have prayed, God, let me stay alive. If you would, God, if it's in your plan, let me stay alive to just be in the background on my wheel, you know, like this on my little walking stick, you know, praising you because I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it before I die. And today I'm going to preach a message out of a book of the Bible. This is one of my favorite books because it's happening during a time when there was so much political unrest. There was so much racial division. There was so much anxiety and anger. There was so much fear. You're saying, well, that sounds like America. Yeah, nothing's changed. And here's the thing, the gospel's not changed. Today, I want you to look at the book of Jonah, and I want you to see how a guy that was so tapped into his own country, he couldn't see the plan of God. He was so tapped into Israel, he thought, you know, no, it's the people of God. It's Israel. Like, like only the people of God, they're the only ones that can understand the gospel. They're the only ones that are God's chosen people. I mean, you ever feel like that, like people like you are the only chosen people? Us four, no more. You know, if you don't vote like me, you can't be in. Listen, these Assyrians, now they've told me to stay on track, but I ain't. 
the Assyrians were the people that were going to destroy Israel in about 50 or 60 years down the road. And Jonah is going to be sent to, to the Assyrians. It's Mosul, Iraq. And he's supposed to tell them the good news. The good news is anybody who places their faith in Jesus Christ can be saved. And Jonah says, heck no, I won't go. I ain't doing that. I don't like those people. They're a different race or different culture. I mean, they're different economic background. They're just nasty people. You ever thought that about somebody? Were you just giving up on them? Like, there's no way they can be saved. Can I tell you something? There is nobody beyond the reach of a loving hand of God. I have seen God save people that I had given up on. I'm embarrassed to tell you, you got to go a long way for me to give up on you. And God has reached out and grabbed them and saved them. It's the power of the gospel when it's unleashed in people like you. That's why we talk all the time about when you go to house church and when you go to work and when you go to these other places. Man, it's the gospel in you that's the hope of glory, not just the gospel in me. Man, people see me coming, they're throwing beers out, they're throwing cigars out, they're throwing their kids out. I don't know why they're drink, drinking that beer. I mean, like, well, they see you coming, you're undercover agents. Okay, that wasn't in the message. All right, Jonah chapter one. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and said, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord. He goes, I'm not going down there. He headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port, paying the fare. He boarded and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. And so the Lord sent a great wind, a hurricane on the sea. It was such violent storm arose that the ship almost broke up. And all the sailors were afraid, and they cried out to their own gods. They had different gods. And they threw the cargo in the sea to lighten the ship. And Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down. He fell into a deep sleep. And the captain went in and said, how can you sleep? Get up. Call on your God. Maybe he'll take notice of us so that we won't perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come on, let's cast lots to find out who's responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Jonah's the man. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where did you come from? Where is your country? From what people are you? And he said, I'm a Hebrew. I'm one of God's children. I worship the Lord. I'm in the covenant relationship. The God of heaven who made the sea and the land. He, he's in charge of all this. And this terrified them. They said, what have you done? They already knew. He was running from the Lord because they'd already told him so. And the sea's getting rougher and rougher. And they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? He said, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will grow calm. I know it's my fault that this has come on you. And instead, the men began to row. They cared about Jonah, unlike Jonah caring about them. But they could not, for the sea grew wilder than ever before. And then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, don't let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. They're using the covenant name of, for Lord, the Lord, Jehovah. In other words, they're, they're coming to know Jesus in the Old Testament version. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And then men greatly feared the Lord. They offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a, a huge fish. Can you go? Dun 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 dun. Okay, okay, okay I'm sorry. <clears throat> and then three days he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, and he began to pray. I guess he did. 
four steps to a spiritual awakening found in Jonah because Jonah is going to preach the worst sermon ever preached on planet earth and have the greatest revival of all time. This is the greatest revival that's ever happened in history. And it all began with the call of God where God said, hey, go to Nineveh, that great city, wicked city, and preach against it. Listen, you, you know where revival starts? With the call of God in your life. Five times in five books of the Bible, you know what Jesus said? He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Listen, that, that, that's, that's not changed. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, I came to seek and save those who are lost. He said, the healthy don't need a physician, the sick do. He said, you need to understand that I am sending you out with good news. You're to be a, a shining city on a hill. That you're to share the hope that you have with the people around you because they're beginning to ask questions like, isn't there more? Isn't there more? I'm fascinated with the Titanic, this deal that happened with the submarine. Man, I don't know about you, I couldn't quit thinking about it. I thought, one, I would never do that. You know, that was the first thing I thought. But it reminded me of when the Titanic sank. And I, I'm fascinated because uh, in the early 1900s, on April the 15th, tax day, uh, the Titanic went down and 1,522 people died. 700 and few, a few people uh, lived. But, but on, that, on that boat, there was a guy who was an amazing person, and his name was John Harper. John Harper was a maiden voyage, and you know the, the, the captain said even God couldn't sink this ship, and, and so they're going to go and they hit an iceberg, and so John Harper is a believer, and he starts screaming out, put all the unbelievers and women and children on the boats. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I, I'd, have to, I'd have to think through that. That water cold, real cold. And he's screaming, like, put all the women and children and unbelievers on the boats. Of course, you know the story, it goes down and he's in the water, treading water, and we know this because he's talking to several people. You know what he's saying to them? Is they are, they're, they're kind of floating on the water. You, you need to look this up. I'm reading the book about him right now. It's incredible. He's yelling out, repent and place your faith in Jesus in the water. That's frigid water. Repent and place your faith in Jesus. Listen, they didn't need to know about icebergs and how icebergs are dangerous. They didn't know, need to know how to build a better boat. They didn't need to know about conspiracy theories. Is Hillary on the boat? No. They were drowning. They needed to know Jesus. There was an eight-piece band on the Titanic. You need to read about the Titanic. It's amazing. That's why people want to see it. There was an eight-piece orchestra playing on the Titanic when the Titanic was going down, and all the, these people were drowning. And that's what so many churches are doing, playing classical music while the world around them is drowning without Jesus. It's the call of God on your life. It's the call of God on my life. 
Jonah was so angry with God for for not doing more in Israel. He didn't want those people to get saved. He didn't want those people to be right. I think he was so angry and depressed. I think he started drinking. I don't know this, but you can't be that deep in sleep in the middle of a hurricane unless you've been taking some. He's asleep. And I've wondered about our churches. Have we gone to sleep when the world around us is drowning without Jesus. Listen, listen to me. Jonah loved his nation more than he loved his Savior. Friends, that can never be. It's the call of God. You say, well, well I ain't doing that. Well, I mean, number two, it's a crisis. A hurricane comes. Now, I need to be careful because some of you, you're looking at things in your life and you're going, well, that's because they sin. No, 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 no. Our world is broken. You get cut by it. There's edges of our world they are going to cut you, no matter what you do. It's the world we live in. But there are times when if you know Jesus and you know what he is calling you to do, I've had this experience. And you're saying, I will not obey him. I will not do that. I am not going to do that, God. I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. Storms come in your life. Why? Because you're his children. He loves you. He disciplines those whom he loves. He loves you. You say, well, I'm not going to do that. God blew up Jonah's life. I mean, when you decide, I'm not going to do what God has told me to do, he's going to blow you up. How about the sailors? They didn't do anything wrong. Can I tell you about believers when maybe you're in a family and you're a believer, maybe you're in a company and you're a believer and, and you're just disobedient to God and you're not going to do what he says, your irresponsibility becomes somebody else's responsibility. I'll say this to dads. When you decide to do your own thing, your own way, and you go, hey, it's my life, I can do what I want to do, other people are taking responsibility for your irresponsibility. Mamas, when you say, hey, I know, I know I'm supposed to do that. I know that, but I'm going to do this, then all of a sudden, other people, it's my life, I can do what I want to. It's never just your life, you can do what you want to. Tony Evans said it this way, he's one of my favorite preachers. He said, we might have come here on different boats, but we're in the same boat now. And when you decide to do your own thing and say to God, no, I won't go, man, calamity comes. You know what's wrong with America? Me. God is sending a storm into our country. What you're seeing in our country is a lackadaisical church. You say, well, no, it's our military. We need, we, need, we, need, we, we need a better military. Yeah, you know what? But we need better people in the military. Well, well, well we, need, we need this in the government. No, we need better people in the government. Because here's the thing I've learned about COVID. COVID has messed me up forever. Because I used to think if you had, if you had a big enough army and you had, you had the right things in place and, and you had things where you can shoot down nuclear weapons, you'd be fine. It can just be one germ shuts you down, bro. Just one germ. Oh, we got these jets. I don't care. If they're sick, they can't can't fly them. COVID reminded me of all the ways that that they can come to us in ways that would destroy us. And the only hope is the gospel. Listen, people are open to the gospel. They're open. They're open. Listen, they're, they're so open to the gospel. 
Generation Z, I don't know if you know who that is. That's 13 to 17. We got about 900 to 1,000 that are active in venture. And I really believe that is the age group that God's going to use to bring us revival. Where God begins to work in our children. God begins to work in our young people. That's why they're over right now in all of our, all, all of our campuses and they're working with our children and they're working with our students and they're pouring into them. But because the power that we need in America is the gospel. The gospel. The sailors, they're, 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 they're calling out to their gods. Everybody's got a God. Everybody's got something they put all their hopes in. It, it may be sports, okay? It may be looks, okay? It may be your money, okay? It may be your job, okay? So they're taking all their stuff, like all their cargo and all their food, and they're calling all their gods. Listen, when, when times get tough, people's gods are tested. And they finally look at Jonah and say, call on your God. Because ours ain't right. Call on, call, would you call on your God? I'm willing to drown, and, and uh, I don't want you to. I don't want you to know the Lord. I, I'm not, I don't want to be wrong. And, uh, and they, they just kept pushing him and pushing. Finally, they started asking him questions, and the questions were like this: like, tell us, you know, who, who you are. He said, Well, I'm a Hebrew. I'm of the covenant family. So, well, what God do you serve? I so serve the covenant God, Jehovah. Well, well, well like, who is he? Well, he made, the, he made this water and he made the dry ground. They're like, hey, pray to him. Because our God can't do that. Listen, when's the last time you, you kind of were willing to share the hope you have in God with someone else? I mean, when's the last time you were, you were willing to say to somebody, hey, hey, you know what? I'm really praying about that because, you know, God's done something in my life. He, I'm a child of God, you know, like, like he's doing things in me. I have hope that you may not have. Can I tell you about it? Or would you come to church with me? Here, here, here's the way it sounds with regard to, to what it means to be a child of God. I've repented of my sins and placed my faith in Jesus who died to pay for my sins and gave me the gift of eternal life. That, that, that's the testimony. I mean, you should be able to say, if you know Jesus personally, you should be able to say, you know, there was a time in my life where I realized I was separated from God, and then God spoke to me, and like, like I just felt like, hey, like I needed God in my life, not just to know about God. I needed the Lord in my life, and, and now he's in my life because I've trusted in him only to save me, and, and, and I know now I'm a child of God. I still sin. I still make mistakes, but I remember when I did this and I was baptized, and it changed me forever. See, God is so gracious. He'll give you some time. They, they threw Jonah overboard and they prepared, God prepared a fish. It wasn't to punish Jonah. It, it was to show him mercy, to give him time. And while Jonah was so frustrated with God, the sailors were getting saved. Isn't that crazy? While Jonah was pondering the grace of God in the belly of the fish, the sailors were like, hey, I'm worshiping. That's the conversion that comes. When you respond to the call of God, and you say, well, I'm not going to do that. He brings a crisis in your life. You go, oh, my goodness. And then you just kind of badly, you can badly share the gospel, and people are converted. 
They started making vows to the Lord, not God, to the Lord. They started, you know, praying to the Lord. These salty sailors separated from God by race and religion and social status and politics, they came to know the Lord because nobody is beyond the loving hand of the Lord. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that everyone would have eternal life. God is a God that's filled with mercy and love. God is willing to save. Are you willing to share? You know, we receive a lot of criticism for at the movies. I know some of you are like, well, are you kidding, man? Like, it's the greatest time in the world for me to invite my friends. You know, we just ought to have the hardcore, man. We just ought to be hardcore, you know? Hardcore. How many people have you led to the Lord? At the movies is an opportunity. It's not a commercial. This is a part of who we are. At the movies is an opportunity to go, hey, uh, come to me to church. I ain't going to no church. I'm tired of that. I'm sick of that. And them Christians are the worst people I know. I ain't doing that. I've worked with some and they're hypocrites. I know, but it's a movie. You don't have to even see the preacher except in, you know, cameo. And, and people come. And, you know, that's their first typically experience with venture and they hear the message where they can understand it, where they know we'll relate to them and not just talk over their heads to all the deep people and all the theologians who are out there who've never shared their faith in their whole life. I just want more meat. I want more meat. I want more meat. You're getting too chubby. You, you need to start sharing your faith. You need to move around a little bit. You need to serve. You need to do other things. You know, we baptized six people this weekend on July the 2nd. That's more than we baptized the first three years I was here. Can I, can I do that? Not for me, but for you. Look at you. You're buying in. You're buying in to share the gospel. You realize God loves the whole world, not, not just your little world. John Harper, I got to finish the story and I'm done. John Harper was floating on like a piece of wood and he was yelling out to people. And this one guy, the, the, the wave brought him in close. We know this because he survived. And they brought him close and said, hey, have you trusted in Jesus to save you? And the guy said, no. And the wave took him out. You know, he's in, John Harper's over here. And the wave brought him back and goes, have you repented of your sins? And the guy says, no. He goes out. Third time he comes up screaming, yes, yes, I have. And John Harper's gone. His last convert. Wrote a book about him. You keep sharing. You keep sharing with those people who won't listen. You keep inviting those people that tell you no. You wear them down in the name of Jesus. You wear them down. Oh, you like Top You don't like Top Gun? I thought everybody liked Top Gun. Well, you, come watch Top Gun with me, okay? It's going to be cool. And you know, you know what we do? Because this is our people that are here, okay? If you've invited somebody, they're going to know the inside of what we're doing. But then in, in the movie, when they're done, da 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 then one of our pastors go, hey, Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for your life. No. What happened? You need to repent of your sins and come down to Jesus. It works. I don't understand it either, but instead of us talking about, you know, like who wrote, you know, this book or that book or what the end times are going to look like, we go, hey, you need Jesus. And they go, yeah, I do. They don't carry a root like James. 
They want to know how to be saved from the sorry life they're in. It's real simple. It's coming. It's coming. We're getting ready for it. It's coming. The call of God on your life and mine to go and tell. In the Well, there's going to be amazing conversion and life flowing into the church that we hope will take us right into the rapture when Jesus comes back for his church. Because if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will come and heal their land. Would you pray with me? Would you pray for our country? I don't know if anybody is more hurt than I am by all that's going on in our world, and especially in our country. The hatred that the media stirs in us toward one another, they don't, they don't really care about you. But they have the algorithm to know how to work you and stoke the fire. Would you just join me in repenting of listening to all that rather than listening to the voice of God? And would you ask God to move in your heart and in the hearts of believers so that we would come back to, to the real power we have? The power of Jesus and the gospel and the hope, the hope that we have filled with joy and peace because of Lord Jesus. And, and it begins to spill out. The hope begins to spill out on other people. And there's a mighty movement of God again that changes our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. Not on the left or the right or the blue or the red, but based on the cross of Jesus. Father, I love you. I love your son. Father, I thank you that nothing has changed in, in 6,000 years that, that we've got recorded of the Bible. People still turn from you. God, God I turn from you and, you and you call us back. And God, when we share the hope that we have in you, you change things. When we're right with you, we have the best life. So Father, move in our hearts, change us. We pray for our country and we pray these things. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us for the Venture Church Podcast. To find a campus near you, check out venturechurch.org.